Oh my god. That's your take too. (laughs) Well, that's what that's what you get. We had a perfectly good take, and then someone who will remain nameless. Uh actually there were a lot of moving parts that why the first opening was scrapped. But if you order if you order the box set, you get all the the outtakes. Yeah. (laughs) Nope. Those go into the trash can immediately and are permanently deleted. Oh boy. Okay, well, welcome, everyone. You are listening to What's Your Record? I'm Jake Mazon, here with Tyler and Grady Penna. Hello. And, uh, yeah, the dynamic duo. Yep. Voted said best no one. three years in a row. No, I said yeah. Why would I say no? Well, you're the only person that's ever agreed to that. Then. <laughs> no, you guys are you guys are fine. You work great. You work great together. Look at you guys conquering all the studio uh, you know, mishaps you're running into with different versions of Ableton. I'm sure it was resolved very easily with very minimal. No, uh, actually, it was a huge pain <laughs> yeah, in the it ass. Sucked. Um, yeah, no, I know. But yeah, we got I it know. done. We figured it out. We did. We got it done. But and that's why we can record what you're hearing today. Right, because all the mics yeah. are down now. Yeah, yeah. From the drum kit, we had all the cool. mics set up for a different recording project. But yeah, Grady's laying down some sick tracks. I'm still waiting for him to invite me over to play some bass because i thought it was an unspoken fact that i just get to play bass on all your songs for the rest of your life you since know, i did such it's a great weird. job on that first one on these tracks i've actually been enjoying playing and writing bass lines a lot it's very fun bass is very fun it's something that i've always thought i was pretty bad at but um i don't know yeah the these couple tracks that i've been working on i felt like i've pretty been pretty happy with how the bass has turned out so well, Tyler sent me a baseless instrumental of your track for me to do my own interpretation of it, and then we're just going to pull people and be like, which bass <laughs> do you like better? Um, mine's a lot more slap-based, um, which didn't really mesh <laughs> at first with the sounds you were going for, but I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Um, really I just uh, replicated the Seinfeld theme song over it, and uh, it didn't work at all, but you know, I, I, <laughs> but, I was committed. <laughs> but I did it in time and in key, so it's gonna it, technically it works. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, <laughs> what's the, what's the here... theme this week? What's well, music, I, I, music we grew up with? Yeah. Uh, okay, that's good because I was about to say I didn't really come up with a condensed, like, simplified title. Uh, Just but look at the Spotify playlist. So this sometimes is music... it doesn't fit. It says like, "What's your record?" Season three episode, and then the actual title like goes behind the dot dot dots. So how would so, you define? That's this? good that you're coming up with. Music oh, that your it. parents played when you were growing up, that you were just around, or it doesn't music have to that be your you, parents. Like found when you were younger, and that you you know grew up listening to because you found it. So yeah. it's really whatever you wanted, yeah. as long oh, as it's something I thought that it... you discovered when you were young. And I mean, okay, uh, I thought we were going the parental route. But yeah, I, I mean, I would go with that. I mean, we all yeah. kind of did, but like I think that in general it was a little bit more open because I mean. Who introduces you to music when you're a young kid? Like probably your parents. So, or your probably cool older like brother, family, of some Vietnam. degree. Yeah, I family, didn't really family listen. of some degree. I didn't really yeah. listen to music seriously until I was all the way th- or not all the way through, but part way through high school. I mean, I was like ninth, tenth grade when I started actually listening. Dude, that's to every time you tell music. that story, I think of Bane from Batman. And like, I didn't see the sun until I was already a man, <laughs> and I was just like, "How are you not listening to music until that late?" Okay, like, well, like my music exposure was basically whatever Tyler was listening to, 
and then uh, like somewhat and then the beatles like that was me in seventh and eighth grade was the beatles okay. your first Ra- album yeah. Ra- raise your hand if you started off listening to the beatles well like everyone. what do you mean like first album or most just, white like... people would raise their hand <laughs> i mean yeah obviously yeah, like yeah, well yeah but and that's just so crazy that it's just like you know way after the fact but no i remember yeah those were the first albums that... the beatles one was a cd mm-hmm. that you could buy off the tv it was like an infomercial cd uh definitely remember well, playing that my dad yeah. in his truck he had the like cd set of like all the beatles best. greatest hits like the best of it's like a four four yeah CD it was like probably set. like what 60 songs something like that mm-hmm. 50 60 songs and he would just play that on repeat just shuffle between those cds so i got kind of you know exposed to all the different styles of the beatles um there wasn't like a particular record that I listened to from the Beatles. I was like, Oh, this is the one I liked the most. It was just like a mishmash of all the songs um, that I heard when I was a child. So yeah, that was pretty much the same for me. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, I have favorite Beatles records, uh, but, but they were like part, and it kind of falls into some of the music that goes on here. Not the album I chose, but there's a lot of music that I grew up listening to that I associate with a time when basically it boils down to like when I didn't have control over what I was listening to, which was like driving with my parents and like having to listen to like what they have on the radio or like when we go camping and stuff to the point where it's just like, for me, like I personally like don't ever need to listen to like queen or pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin again, because it just reminds me of like all my road trip family vacations where like, I just had to listen to like KLOS over and over again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that's a big part of the first album I ever bought. And I was going to pick it for this, but then I re-listened to it and there were just too many clunkers on there. Uh, But was Kiss Destroyer that has Detroit Rock City on it. And it's like my dad, I knew that what that CD was because my dad owned it, but I wanted my own copy of it to listen to it. Like, did you guys, did you grow up before iPods? Like, did you have like a walk band, like a CD player, a tape player or something to listen to music before MP3 players? Um, um i had a cd player i had all kinds of shit like a portable I had, cd player i had yeah a, i had oh man i can't even remember the name it was like a it was like maybe called like a create or something it was like a a microsoft mp3 player thing and then before that oh, i had yeah. cd players like portable cd players um and then we got our first ipods when I, I mean i got my first ipod when i was pretty young and yeah, i used my those fr- basically until i had you know, iPhones. My first so. iPod was an iPod shuffle that had, I think it was like 512 megabytes of storage. So it was like <laughs> basically 30 songs. And Dude. <laughs> it was like 60 songs or something. Yeah, yeah it was 100 like songs maybe max. And I was just like, all right, um, I got this. Blink-182, Green Day, this is it. Yeah, but uh, hey, going back a lot to... Of those um, songs on there. Going back yeah, to the Beatles a little bit, that might be a good, a good segue into my pick because... Um, Supposedly, because Grady picked the Beatles. I did picked, not pick the Beatles. Because he picked no. the worst ver- the worst version of the Beatles. I could have picked the Beatles, but that would have been a very <laughs> easy um a very easy pick. And uh, yeah. I'm sure everyone already knows the Beatles. They're pretty synonymous with the world <laughs> of so, just music of, of yeah. existence and music. Like even if you don't like the Beatles, you you know who the Beatles are, most likely. Um But I pick my pick was uh Simon and Garfunkel their album bookends and apparently um a few of the tracks were pretty heavily inspired by the beatles or they referenced the beatles even so um you know nice little segue into to my pick um but yeah i chose um I, I went back and forth on what album from them to pick because 
Um, I've heard most of their albums. I think, weirdly enough, Sound of Silence is actually what I'm most familiar with. Yeah. But I wanted to pick something else. Um, I decided not to choose Bridge Over Troubled Water because you guys were the most familiar with that one. Um, and that's generally regarded as like their most popular one, I guess, or maybe not their most popular, but they're now most what about oregano, paprika, coriander <laughs> and turmeric, parsley, sage, rosemary. And thyme. That's um, the one, the, the spice album. That's what I, I, call it. I considered it, but I went back and listened to it and it was just a little bit too mopey. Um, I think for me, it, it's nice, but it's like all kind of one note sounding and it's, it's very like ethereal almost and folky folksy and weird and i don't know i just didn't really want to pick it so i ended up going with bookends which is their fourth studio album and it was released in 1968 um so at this point you know they had already gotten pretty big with sound of silence with the graduate soundtrack uh with parsley sage rosemary and time so the that album boys. title is the spice album yeah, we'll just call it the boys. spice album from now on. <laughs> it, it takes too long to say the whole thing so this album, um, it came out when they were already pretty popular, and I think people were probably wondering, you know, what, what they were going to do with it, and they ended up going in kind of a weird direction, I feel like, because the album is actually, a, it's a concept album. Before um, you get into it, does this come from either one of your parents, specifically? Yeah, what's your, it's your introduction to... So, yes, um, the short answer to that is it comes from both of them. Um, my dad, obviously, we've talked about it before, but he listens to a lot of, like, soft rock folk kind of stuff yacht rock yacht rock i guess yacht the, rock. The, you know before <laughs> yacht rock was yacht rock it was you know soft the closer rock. i get to 30 the more i find myself Se- getting down with the yacht rock 70s, yacht rock is like, honestly pretty sick <laughs> 70s soft rock and honestly yeah. one of the reasons why i like bands like that you know soft rock uh, or yacht rock like destroyer and whatnot is because my parents used to listen to a lot of this type of music that was sort of the you know the early stages of that yeah. Um, so my dad listened to a lot of that and my mom, she didn't have a lot of crossover with my dad when it came to music. I feel like, um, they kind of had their own thing. She was more into like David Bowie and like Devo and like the eighties stuff like that. Yeah. Which is weird. Cause like our parents are only three years apart, but they have I pretty guess, different music tastes. Yeah. I mean, I guess that, I guess like, so like, so I what think I'm about hearing high is, school, is that your mom is way cooler. Don't tell Tony. Right? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, nah, I love it. Love you, Tony. It's interesting because I guess, like, if you think about it in terms of high school, like, you know, you'd be three years off, so you'd be like, I guess, almost a full high school class, like, off or whatever, like, f- almost four years apart. But like, decade-wise, they both kind of like grew up in the same decade. So it's interesting that my dad connects more with like '60s and '70s music, and mm-hmm. then my mom connects more with like '80s. Music. That was when she yeah. was like in college, basically. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, maybe. maybe um, that's why. Yeah. So, but the point I'm trying to make here is that Simon and Garfunkel were sort of one of those bands that was a crossover between them. They both um, liked Simon and Garfunkel quite a bit, um, and have played it, you know, throughout my childhood growing up. I've I've heard them play it. I, I think my mom said that this was actually um, "Bridge Over Troubled Water" was like the first song she ever learned on piano or something. So they both really liked the band. Um, and uh, they played it and therefore i was you know exposed to it and weirdly enough it's one of the the bands that even to this day i still listen to pretty often and i still like their music a lot um so i you know i thought it would be a great pick to showcase something i grew up with that i'm still listening to frequently which i don't know if that's the case for the the picks that um that you guys chose uh i guess you can answer that when we get to your sections but 
I thought I never me, talk about my pick ever. Yeah, never, never talk about never. That but for me, yeah. I thought this was a good, a good, um, a good one for the theme. So um, back to the album itself. I'm just going to give a brief like overview of kind of what it's about, and then we can play a track. But um, it's weird for them because it's they ended up making a concept album that sort of explores um, the life journey from you know being a kid to old age, and that was that's explored on side one of the album, and then side two of the album is like all basically b-sides from the graduate soundtrack from what i read so it's like all the singles that they didn't end up using for that that they still liked so that's why there's it's it feels very concepty and connected from bookends theme the first track to then the reprise of that theme those are all connected and have you know a similar vibe and then it sort of goes into just all these poppy singles until you get to the end so when i first listened to it and i didn't know that context i thought that was a bit like weird i was like oh that's the way they structured this is kind of weird and then when i read that i was like oh that makes a lot more sense but it also makes sense with the album title yeah but that being said um it doesn't sound like too disconnected to me i think that um sonically the songs are all still pretty coherent um even if structurally they don't you know all flow perfectly together um if but, it was, yeah. yeah, I would just say if it wasn't a concept album, then it would be like the second half is like a little heavy on the upbeat and poppy stuff. Like if those had been sprinkled yeah. in mm-hmm. throughout, then I I wouldn't say like, oh, these sound like very, very different. It's just it's right. Totally. It's, it's where they're put that it's all five in a row at the end. Or kind I of like, think oh, yeah. I think they wrote the concept part and got that done and realized, oh, this is really short for an album. And so and they didn't want to disrupt that by throwing those other singles just in the mix of it, because that would have, you know, messed up the structure of the actual concept. But they still needed it to be, you know, a full length album. So they feel like we get into this a lot, um, like during these episodes is like the the structure of an album, like what's important. Yeah, I know. I that's that's my point. Like, I think it is super important. And so like you know, the, the order of the songs or the structure of, you know, if the first half to second half or the flow is really important. But I think a lot of bands like miss that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's like whoever's their manager or whatever, the, the producer just, just throwing it out there. But I don't know. I feel like that's always been something that I've taken super seriously whenever putting out music. But I feel like a lot of bands just are like, whatever, like, we'll, we'll put yeah. like, the most popular one at track three and call it a day. <laughs> I mean, it bugs me. It definitely bugs me when I'm listening to an album and then the last track just feels like really out of place for me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that doesn't that sound can like make it her, should that be can make a breaker album. And yeah, yeah that kind of like, can ruin it or make it really good. If, if it ends just on this really like resolute note, I think that can make the whole experience. It really like caps that off and makes it. Well, and the most recent thing we talked about, and the thing that comes to my head is the, is the Sufjan album that if it had ended with the Ascension, it would have been fucking perfect. But then America kills it. Yeah. That's, that was one of my biggest issues. Right. Um, yeah, because I liked America. I liked America a lot as a standalone single. And then in the context of the album, I didn't like it for that reason, because the Ascension was so good. And then it just feels like this weird 15 minute, uh, like, uh, outro thing that was like completely you know different and feeling to me um and it, it kind also of adds it, it also adds like so much time to an already long album totally yeah that would have cut down a lot um All right, but yeah. what are we what are we playing so i think i'm just gonna go ahead and play the the most popular song from this album which is america 
you know, it's America. Are we saying that's the most popular of side A? Because I would argue that Mrs. Yes. Robinson might be more popular Sorry. than... Yes, yeah. the most popular of side A of the, of the concept, concept part of the album. The Mrs. Robinson is probably the most well-known. Absolutely. Because um, the graduate was song. already... The Graduate was already out, right? So people had already heard Mrs. Robinson? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, was it was already out. out. Yeah. Um, that's why it says, like, from the Graduate soundtrack. So, okay. um, yeah, that's definitely it, the most And popular. they wrote that song for the movie. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it ended up being so popular that some people don't even know about it in the context of The Graduate. Right, which they is just funny. like no Mrs. Robinson by yeah. Simon. Like, who's Mrs. Robinson? <laughs> and then you watch the movie. You're like, oh, like, her. Ah, got it. That cougar. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So this is uh, the song America.
don't do to me what you did to America. <laughs> I didn't even put that. I didn't funny. I didn't, didn't even put that together. We were talking yeah, about that right before you put the song on. <laughs> like, neither did uh, I. That's funny. this one is a lot. I like this one more than Sufjan's, if I'm being honest. Yeah, this yeah, song is too. really nice. Um, yeah. I, I really like how much musical detail there is in there, which sometimes can get lost in some of their other work, either being really simple, you know, just like guitar or being kind of wishy-washy, like from um, Parsley, Sage, Rosemary, and Thyme. There's a lot going on there, but it, I feel like the a lot of that gets album. lost. The Spice album. Fuck, I forgot. <laughs> forgot we're calling it that. But in this in this song particularly, you can really hear uh, the dynamic aspect of the music. You know, like in the second half, the, the organ comes in with the strings. There's the, sort of that big chorus. There's the, tr- you know, the traditional guitar that's very common in Simon and Garfunkel. Um, and of course they use the production style that was pretty popular back in the day where you just full, it was it cause it was recorded in mono Tyler and they just like, like what's the backstory on what panning? Year? What year was it? 68. So mm-hmm. like the drums, certain drums are panned all the way to the left and then certain instruments are panned all the way to the right. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I doubt this stuff was recorded in mono. Like they definitely had stereo available, like in the late '60s, early '70s. But also, before we get into this, because this is just going to kill me, I just realized that parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme those are herbs, not yes. spices. So we should call it the herb, <laughs> herb album. I was gonna, I was gonna, I was. I'm sorry, I was gonna feel like a fucking idiot the entire if I didn't say that. So someone sorry is gonna to listen interrupt to this and write us yeah. a complaint. Someone's gonna say something. Uh, so it's the herb album talk about the panning go on sorry um yeah Yeah, but i don't think it was recorded in mono necessarily but i think that that was just the style of that time frame like the 60s i mean yeah i just looked it up because i wanted to be sure but uh stereo was invented in the 30s so like they definitely had the technology available available. it was just a a Um, popular yeah like i i think it was because mainly of like the way people were listening to music um like a lot of people like listen to it on a single speaker like radio or whatever you know um like car stereos weren't that advanced like no one really like sat down and like listened to music with like earbuds obviously so yeah i think it was just a way of kind of making it sound bigger like without that you know when you'd master a song and you like stereo widen it like yeah. i think that was a way for them to make it sound bigger especially gotcha. played through like single speaker systems or whatever for sure um yeah so i think um lyrically and songwriting wise this is one of their most consistent albums um there's a lot of really good material on here and a lot of stuff that that really sticks out um for me some of the highlights are america overs um old friends faking it like all those are i think really really well done songs and he explores these themes of like youth of relationships of old age of mortality um it's set on wikipedia it says that some of his themes include like alienation life love and disillusionment so i think he he blends those in really well and he he's able to tell sort of these short little vignettes um of people's lives in these songs i think america is a good example of that gee i wonder why grady likes yeah it. well <laughs> i like that style of writing so jake what yeah. do you think of the songwriting it's fine all right sorry <laughs> so like here here's here's the deal i wanted to hate this record like before i put it on because up until this point with the exception of like the few songs like sounds of silence or whatever like 
I fucking hate Simon and Garfunkel. Wow. I think they are so goddamn boring. And I can't <laughs> I can't really own up to it or explain why, because I like softcore folky music or whatever, like early Sufjan or Boney Bear or whatever, that like very much owes a lot mm-hmm. to this. Yeah. Like to this group. I have a hard time calling them a band. Yeah, they're um, great. Yeah, for sure. But and here's the well, other thing I was I was talking duo. about this is like I think Art Garfunkel might be the luckiest man in the history of rock and roll. I used to think it was Ringo Starr, but at least Ringo Starr has to play a fucking instrument and keeping time on the drums can be hard. Yeah. But like this dude just shows up. I was telling Grady. Are you saying Art uh, Garfunkel got carried by Simon, Paul Simon? Yeah. And Paul Simon and Paul Simon knows that. Like, I think I, I was just reading like at when they got inducted in the rock and roll hall of fame, he's just like, Art Garfunkel was like, you know, I regret our friendship ending. Like Paul Simon really enriched my life or whatever. And Simon just like, Art and I don't agree on a lot, but I definitely enriched enriched his life being like, (laughs) yeah, I'm the reason that you made money. Um, The only writing credit that Garfunkel has on this album, and I want to talk about this track, is Voices of Old People. And it's not a song. It's just a recording of old people talking. So I'm like, how did you get writing credit for this? Because you didn't do anything. I wish so much that that track did not make it. It's not really a track. I mean, it's just literally recording of old people. Yeah, but it's still there. It is what it is. It's still there, though. I know, but there's like nothing cool underneath because it reminded me like there's a track like that on the books album that I picked from <laughs> music to relax to where it's just like some old guy talking in a different language. But even but then, it's, there was kind of like weird sound effects or something under it. But even it's like then it's um, not really like pleasant to listen to. No, the, the voices no. themselves aren't that pleasant. I don't think they're saying anything that interesting. No, it's like uninteresting topics, not pleasant voices, like not recorded well. Yeah. It's just See, like nothing added yeah. to it. That track sucks and shouldn't really be there, but, but the song that comes like, after it is good. So <laughs> and before it. Yeah. Yeah. So it was good. There were some moments that surprised I liked America. Um I think it was what is it, it save the life of this child or something like That's that the first like one. I, there's some like the first there's some harsh song. sounds in it that I looked at there's you know it's someone playing I think it's it's Moog Robert Moog who invented uh-huh. the Moog synthesizer oh. he played that line to simulate like bass or whatever I'm like this is kind of yeah, edgy for them it yeah, comes in very abruptly too and it's surprising um and I think for the 60s you know that and people knowing what Simon and Garfunkel were about, that was surprising. And that I was could have, reading yeah, some that of could the have turned a lot of heads for the people who were listening to them. But as far as the yeah. songwriting goes, I don't like super pay attention to the lyrics for them or whatever. Like the, I think the biggest thing about them is like their voices sound really, really nice together. It's very yeah. soothing. Um, but like reading about this album, particularly like, you know, they're popular or whatever. And, you know, just the way Paul Simon talks about himself or whatever, like wanting to move away from like, poppier singles like he had to be convinced and offered a shit ton of money to do the songs for the graduate like he thought it'd be selling out to do a mm-hmm. movie uh soundtrack or whatever but you know talking himself like he felt with this album that he would be put on tier with the beatles and bob dylan like in terms of like songwriting and for me that's just like a it's no way like again yeah. it's more like it's ple- it's pleasurable sounds but i'm not listening to simon and garfunkel for poetry personally i, I mean i think song, so, uh, i don't think the songs scream like oh that was you know so such beautiful like a beautifully written song but i think okay. yeah. when i say songwriting i mean more in terms of the actual like song itself like yeah yeah melody, I, I wish there, yeah i wish know, there how, were more songs with together. percussion and stuff like, like i feel like there are drums on the 
saved the life of this child. I like the song Faking It a lot. I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like And I, it. I also had to go and read to see, like, because I'm like, the divide on this album between side A and side B is very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look up and you read why that it's, like, leftovers from the graduate, the graduate which, is, which is totally fine. That happens for Concepts album. Rush's album 2112 is like that, where the first side is, like, a, a six or seven part suite that tells, like, a story. And then there's, like, four not connected songs on the b side of the album which is fine it happens okay Um, but i go ahead no so segue into that but what okay because here's my question i think the songwriting is the best element of this record like i i prefer the songwriting more than like the music to it would you agree or disagree I would I don't know if I'm qualified to go and say like to say because I didn't listen and I didn't look anything up. Like for me again, it's like Simon and Garfunkel. Do you like, mean the, falls in the cat the category being like, oh, this is you mean like the lyricism? Yeah, I mean, you mean both. the lyricism or the uh, songwriting? Both. Like to me, the only thing that redeems Simon and Garfunkel is like the songwriting and the lyricism and like their their voices. Like I think musically, like this I could take this or leave this. Like it's not terrible music, but like Meh. For me, it's it's, it's very it's meh musically. All, it's all wrapped up together, and it just falls in it like it, yeah, it falls under the category for me of like pretty sounds. Yeah, like completely. It, just, yeah. it, it but, sounds, but that's it sounds what I mean. Nice. Where like if you take their, you know, their, um, I don't know what you'd call them, like their, <clears throat> their competitors or you know contemporaries like I, I don't know what the right word is for like a bob dylan or a beatles like they're superior yeah whatever like um. <laughs> whatever the, the their contemporaries like um i would say that those records are much better put together musically than this and and that's maybe a bias because i like those bands better but like the beatles like they fucking spent time composing shit like it was like I mean, especially in their later stuff, it was like, okay, let's get a full orchestra in here and like do this whole thing, and then like, you know, compose all these different parts and use See, and like that's the thing, like and... reading the Wikipedia about this or whatever. I guess this is the longest time that it took them to record a record because back at what is this is sixty eight. This is like when bands put out like three albums a year that the record company was like, fuck, they haven't put one out, and they went in the studio right. and apparently like got horn players and stuff, and they're like trying to the way they tell this story is like they're trying to mirror it to like what the Beatles do in the studio and something like that. But it doesn't come out sounding like that at all. But, it's like you spent how much on right, this record, but, did all this shit, and it sounds but it sounds like Simon and Garfunkel. Right, like but here's duo. but here's why I I think that is that way is because like we said, we're hesitant to call this group a band. They're not that they, they don't really have a band, right? Like I'm not sure you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like I'm pretty sure that most of their stuff is like various studio musicians behind them like they didn't have like one consistent band behind them um, well i would throughout. even say them working together and this could be a drastic understatement and if someone wants to yell at me feel free or whatever and i'm talking to the listeners that enjoy this because i know several of my friends uh you know love this shit or whatever but it's almost like it's a paul paul simon is a solo artist that like gave a name credit to his background singer yeah yeah that's, no that's, it's that's what it, that's what it is it's looking, definitely bizarre like, looking at the credits on the wikipedia page just clicking on one of the additional instrumentation people beyond the you know simon and garfunkel it seems like they're session musicians right and so i think that's the difference right between like them and like a beatles is like you know the beatles were a band like they yeah. they had four 
composers in that studio. I mean, well, Ringo, maybe not so much a composer, but like, Ringo you gets know, the quotes around composer, but yeah, he has but a few like, good songs. But, yeah, but he writes songs, right? And so like, you know, you have, you have the four of them in there and they're all equal, not equally maybe, but they're all contributing to some uh, element of the composition. Do you want to know, a, do you want to know a weird trivia fact about this album? Yeah. Yes. It was released about 24 hours between uh before the assassination of martin luther king oh wow isn't that weird yeah that is weird damn did it affect the sales probs not i don't think so no. Jeez. I think it, and well that was weird to like look at this i mean besides mrs robinson which is like weird like yeah it's on the album but it's from something else to like because i grew up and this is weird that it ties into it like both your guys's picks that you know like i know because of my dad having a greatest hits or something with tyler's band on it or my dad had simon and garfunkel's greatest hits um but um fuck i forgot where i was gonna go with that total brain fart but yeah i think well (laughs) i'll I'll just say like back to the back to the musicality of it or whatever i i think i i kind of agree with jake on this is that it's pleasant to listen to but it's nothing to like write home about from like a musical music and musical instrument or like composition um aspect but i think that they are good songwriters i mean i think that the way it's put together is is good and mm-hmm. um the lyricism is good i it's funny because i see a lot of similarities between like paul simon's lyrics and like the lyrics that jake hates like from like lamb chop and like the you know the other like singers right. that grady likes that's I, one of the reasons I think why that, i like them yeah right and so to me it's like oh of course like grady yeah. definitely likes this like he probably still listens to it to this day which you you mentioned you did yeah because it's, i don't listen it's that to that type of songwriting i don't listen to i won't usually go on and just put on a simon and garfunkel album i'll usually listen to specific songs rather than like a whole album yeah, yeah because sure. i do think that a lot of their albums are pretty inconsistent in terms of the songs I like versus don't like. Yeah. Like on Sound of Silence, for instance, I really like the title track. I really like uh, the boxer, you know, those kind of, you know, more poppy ones. But there's some on there that are just not interesting songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think this album is one of their more consistent ones. There's still a couple like obviously the voices of old people is like a throwaway, not a song. Um, that one's like whatever. Um I think there's a couple other ones like at the zoo is kind of like whatever. Yeah, for that me. one's kind of weird. Yeah, that one was eh. dumb. Kind of a toss away again. But overall, I think this album is one of their most consistent ones. And that's why I chose it and why I will probably go back and listen to a lot of these songs more than some of their other ones. Yeah, I can see that. Um, All right. Well, one let's... last thing. Okay. On the Wikipedia page, it says Simon often smoked hashish when writing and he was convinced he must be high to write. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but then I just read when they were talking about getting together for a reunion or whatever that part of the deal was is that Garfunkel wouldn't stop smoking weed or cigarettes and Simon didn't like it anymore. And it's like, <laughs> all right, Mr. Hashish, now yeah, that you're all old and shit that you're going to cramp your guy's style. Typical. That's funny. Whatever. All right, let's okay. move on. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> all right, so I'm up, I guess, right? Yep. Cool. Um, okay, so I picked uh, an album by the Allman Brothers. Um the almond the yeah, all the man the almond almond they're all man the all man brothers uh but yeah it's called uh brothers and sisters so it's kind of like the band yeah we're the almond sisters yeah i don't know i don't know i'm done we'll stop now sorry <laughs> there are a lot of uh a lot of puns you know this is uh it's a right for the jokes but anyway so yeah this record came out in 1973 
uh, I believe, yeah, I think 1973, um, which is actually considered, I guess, like their second phase of this band in a way, um, because uh, the band was basically uh, started by two brothers, Dwayne and Greg Almond. Um, Almond. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now you got almonds in, in my brain. <laughs> Dwayne and Greg Almond. Um, so yeah, they, it was started by them uh, in Florida, and then they basically later say that their origin is actually Macon, Georgia. But um, that's revisionist history. Yeah, exactly. And it's so, like how bad how bad is Florida if you lie to people and say that you're from Georgia? Yeah, I, know. I heard uh, that Georgia does grow a lot of really good almonds. So. Oh, oh, well, oh dude, I just got you know what? Florida. Maybe almonds. they're from the maybe they're from the Florida Georgia line. You think about that? Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe nobody listens to Florida Georgia line over here. James would. I've yeah, never James heard of that. Would. You've never heard of Florida? Oh, I'm gonna send you some links after this. It's gonna make you really upset. Oh, great! That they're I'm popular. excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tyler. My question for you: the first thing that came up when I was listening to this band because I know who they are. Well, and I know you went music that you grew up with. So what's the story? Because I was try- I had a real hard time trying to figure out which of your parents is into the Almond Brothers. OK, so well, really? OK, well, my dad, well, I, mean, is- I guess your dad. Yeah, my dad is yeah. definitely the one. Um, so my dad's pretty into them. But like this wasn't a top pick for him. I mean, this was not like his his ride or die, like go to um, by any means. But he definitely was into them. Um, I think two. So two two things. First was um, the song off of this record, Ramblin' Man. My dad actually made a Western movie when he was in high school, which, Jake, if you've never seen it, uh, maybe we should pull the VHS tape out one day because it's what? pretty fucking it's, hilarious. It's pretty funny, actually. Okay, so... They did dude, a pretty good job what? with it. Yeah, so he made a Western when he was in high school for, like, a film class, and he still has a copy to this day. It's, like, shot on Super 8 and, like, edited dude. by hand. Like, it's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> so, anyway, so this song, Ramblin' Man, was, like, the theme of that movie. Like, it was, like... it's It's, like... <laughs> you can't have the movie without that song and vice versa so like um anyway so you so have that, like a specific memory attached to this yeah like that. that so that's my specific memory of like okay that who's the band that does that song in in the western that you made right and so i then, legit did not know the almond brothers did ramblin man until you put this album on the playlist well it's kind of a weird track and i'll talk about it in a second but um basically like the that song it being in that movie was definitely what got me like introduced to this band but then secondly um this band actually was james and i when we were hanging out when we were younger like seventh or eighth grade james's dad was also really into almond brothers so we listened to it a lot like riding around in in vic's car like he'd take us to like carl's jr or whatever and like we'd be listening to it and he'd always james's dad is super funny he always like will analyze music as he's listening to it and like tell you what's what he's like oh like this band is known for like the harmonizing guitar leads and like the two drummers and like all this stuff so he kind of like gave me sounds like james yeah he basically i mean that's where james gets it from right so um anyway that was like my second kind of reintroduction to the band and like where i started to take a little more seriously and like what i pulled away from it like to my own musical influence and whatever so um that's kind of the the intro to that but um wait wait, yeah. wait 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 i'm looking i'm looking up the personnel on this album there's only one almond yeah so i was just gonna get into that so 
the, the band's formed by two brothers, but one of them dies in a motorcycle accident in 71. Whoa. So Greg basically, Allman? yeah, so, uh, no, Dwayne. Dwayne. So, so they formed in 69. He dies in 71, which is like super shitty because there's only technically, I think, two records with like the original lineup. Um, but they get this other dude. Uh, well, he's actually a, a, a founding member as well, but Dickie Betts. So he started out as the counterpart to um, to Dwayne. They would be like the, the harmonizing dueling guitar guys. Um, and then after Dwayne dies, Dickie Betts takes over as lead guitar. And so Ramblin' Man is actually written by Dickie Betts and sung by him, which is different because oh. normally it's Greg Allman singing. So um, anyway, it explains it's, why it's the best song on the record. Yeah, In so it's a little opinion. different. Um, Dickie Betts oh. is like definitely a well-known guy on his own. Like he he brings kind of more of the country influence to it, um, which you can hear on Ramblin' Man. Obviously, it, it definitely stands out like as a little bit different sounding. But um, yeah, so that's what I mean about this album's part of their like second phase of the band. But they had like kind of a like quick and dirty career because like they had one of the founding members die two years in, and then they basically broke up like after i think like 76 um they were like kind of done and then they like reunited in 79 and went all the way to 88 but like personnel shifted all around and then they like came back again in like the 90s and like then they (laughs) personnel shifted again then they broke up again back in 2000 or back in 97 to 2014 Warren Haynes joined them for one of the reunions in the 90s. Yeah, so they had like some big names that joined them and and were part of their personnel for like these different periods. So like Derek Trucks is another one. Um, He's a huge name. Like um, they had special guests like all the time too, like Eric Clapton and whatever. So anyway, these guys are like, they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like they're a big deal in this kind of world, but the history is like kind of nuts. I mean, I'm not going to get into the details too much more than I already have, but a lot of turmoil, a lot of shift in the personnel. Like, actually, I think a second member of the original lineup ended up dying in a different motorcycle accident. So, like, Jesus. just crazy shit. Like, this is why I like, stopped riding a motorcycle. Yeah, I know, right? It's like crazy. But anyway, so um, they have two drummers. That's one of the key elements. And they have, they were like kind of the first. And Dickie Betts is really credited with, I mean, alongside. How do you even Wayne. have two drummers? <clears throat> How well, does that work? Okay, so well, hold on. Like, so, if they're both on a drum kit, I mean. Well, so hold on. First of all, the the harmonizing and dueling guitar thing was like basically credited to this band. Like they they're like the ones that like brought that forth in this like kind of scene, I guess, or whatever. So, Dickie Betts was a huge um, a huge influence in that, and like a lot of a, a lot of bands that came after them um, had the similar thing like uh mc5 is another band that has like the dueling harmonizing lead guitars which is like n- you know ha- has now become a big thing in rock um but anyway two drummers is also interesting um basically there's kind of two like to answer your question grady there's like two ways to do it one is both drummers play the same thing and it just kind of provides like a really big stereo sounding drum beat that's to, crazy like, you have to be line. really on yeah yeah for sure you have to be super in sync or the second way to do it is like one drummer is playing kind of half the beat and the other drummer is playing the other half and so you can have more intricacies more intricacies within what each player is playing because you could have one guy like doing the hi-hats and the snare and the kick and then the other guy's like doing all the fills or he's like doing yeah yeah that's like when i saw 
Radiohead the first time they had two drummers it was the the second drummer was the guy from Portishead and he oh. took on like the toms and like some of the yeah. weirder percussion that would make more sense like, to me have one person yeah. do like the main drum kit and then another person do the additional percussion live yeah. like that you yeah. would play live so yeah so the core lineup was two drummers a bass player two lead guitarists uh, and and organs keyboards and vocals um which was provided by greg allman being the keyboard and vocal like lead so anyway um yeah let's go ahead and play the the first track off the album called wasted words yeah um, let's, uh, let's play a track before you uh a little bit too much of a rambling man here <laughs> oh yeah but um got him got him <laughs> all right let's do all it all right this is wasted words can you tell me tell me friend just exactly So, rocking, so now that you pointed <laughs> out that they have two drummers, I can actually hear that. Yeah, you can hear it. Yeah, and you like, can hear this doing what? Yeah, and you can hear the the dueling guitars too in there, and like obviously the keys are prominent, the bass is prominent, like everything's really really audible. Um, the is bass cool. is bassy. The drums are <laughs> drumming. <laughs> the drums my, are drummy. That's, that's my <laughs> guy Fieri uh, music analysis. Yeah, I'm telling you, they knocked it out of the park. Um, <laughs> but yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, so icon guy Fieri. 
So I picked this track because I think it's a pretty good balance of kind of what they have, what this band brings to the table. Um, this album is a little bit mixed. Like it definitely has just straight up blues jam, like long jammy Jake hates long, Jake and Grady hates long. it. Um, but then it also has <laughs> tracks like this that are like, that are like, uh, you know, pretty structured, pretty catchy. Like it's got riffage. It's got, it's still pretty um, long. It, yeah. I mean, it's still long and there's definitely solos or whatever, but, you know, it's still got um, it's still got some structure and some you know some good, I would say like good songwriting to it in in the sense of like uh, a traditional song. And then there's also Ramblin' Man, which again was written by a different member, but um, same thing. Like there's definitely some standout tracks, but Ramblin' middle... Man, more like Ramblin' Band. Am I right? Oh, wow. Again. These are Fuck. these are these are interesting. <laughs> Somebody get some bandages for those third degree burns. Uh, no, yeah. Um, anyway, all right. Do you do you want to say more? Can we talk about it? Yeah. No, I I just <laughs> opened my phone because somebody is sending me pictures of Eddie Van Halen for some reason. And Jake, I'm sure that you have uh, commissioned this. What, <laughs> dude? Seriously, What's... random number. I don't. It might be Daisy. I don't know if I have her number, but. Somebody's texting have, me pictures currently. Oh, you, got, you, you got another one. Just got a bunch, oh, yeah, a bunch That's more. a good Some, one. Somebody's blowing me up. Someone, your secret um, Van Halen. All right, well, way, way which, to get. Yeah, we're not even. To, we're not even there yet. Come on. I, come on, well, I, Jake. What, the I, timing. The timing's awful. But well, he. It was supposed to start happening while the song was playing, so you'd be more confused. But you didn't. Play <laughs> but oh that being God. said, you I don't it. know what was going on. Yeah. Right. Anyway, right. 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 Okay. Gotcha. But thank you, mystery phone caller. Yeah. So anyway, so back to back to the Almond Brothers. I think um, like what I what I really like about it is obviously the guitar playing. Um, I it was a pretty big influence for me. I think they have a really clean sound. Like they have a very quintessential amp and guitar combo sound. Um, they often played like SGs and Les Pauls uh, through Marshalls, and and so it's mm -hmm. like a very like traditional rock blues sound um, that yeah. they got. They also have good slide guitar going, like on that track, you could hear that. Um, and I think the dueling drummers too is like pretty badass. I think it definitely makes them stand out. Um, and I, and the final thing I'll say about what I like about it, I guess, is the vocals. Like the vocals are pretty, they're pretty tame, like in a way, but they're also like memorable. Um, I think that uh, you know Greg, Greg has a good voice. Um, Dicky Betts also has a good voice, um, and I think that it just kind of it stands out to me as like a pretty classic sound. Uh, so yeah, that's, I, I that's agree. Kind of, that's kind of it. I definitely will obviously predict that you guys don't like the more jam tracks. I think when they played live, bend it was over probably, and pretend for your spanking. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree. With probably what even said, worse. It's probably even worse live because I'm sure they were like oh, very 10, much a jam band. Minutes probably. Yeah, I but agree anyway. with the most of what you said. I would I would say Tyler. Um, I do think that the best song on here is probably Ramblin' Man because it's has the most like memorable. It's the most memorable song. Um, the songs that are jammy, I think they just go on too long. You know, it's like they kind of just jam over over one thing for like sometimes five plus minutes. And you're like at a certain point, it's like, OK, you've jammed enough. Let's move on, you know, Um and I'm not a huge like fan of blues rock in general, 
in terms of like the genres, the various genres of rock, I think blues rock is. Well, see, and I'd like to interject here that we're going to, I'm going to use the James coin term. This music is straight up blues farm. Blues. That's what we call this kind of, we call this blues farm. It is. It is. It is. And it isn't like, it's definitely not as blues farm as like, it's because not all of it is straight up blues like there's not a structure of like 12 bar blues for every song i think if i were to pick like stevie ray vaughn or like um wasn't there a blues track on the van halen album yeah jake one of the songs i think it might be ice cream man yeah it is ice cream man but yeah but then they but then they spice it up (laughs) they spice it up dude that reminds me so much of the metalocalypse episode of with the blues the blues episode we'll get to oh, but yeah. anyway anyway back to back to this album yeah. um that being said you know i do think i agree with what you said the the music is there the sound is there i think they clearly had you know a clear vision of what they wanted their sound to be and how they wanted their tones to sound like you know how they wanted the drums to sound and they're all good musicians obviously like they're very tight and they know their shit i'm sure they recorded most of this just like straight up um like got in a room and recorded it um and that you know to their credit like i think that's good and i think that they did a good job and the songs that did stand out to me i liked um like rambling man i i think jessica was a standout for me too because it felt different it was more like piano, totally piano driven yep um so those two were like my my highlights for sure um the ones that were more just like six minute blues jams um i wasn't as interested in i i thought at first i was like okay yeah like i can i can vibe to this i can jam to this and then by like the four minute mark i was like yeah okay this has gone on a bit too long um but yeah what yeah, do you think Jake? so so i definitely this is, this is a little too blues farm uh for me again my connection uh to this comes from my dad because ramblin man was on the soundtrack for the movie big fish the tim burton movie mm-hmm. um so I knew that one, and that's pr- and Jessica was in one of the Guitar Hero games. Yeah, um, I think the first one. It might have been. Yeah. yeah. So it's not even the Almond Brothers playing it because the first Guitar Hero was all like cover versions because they couldn't license the music. Um, I said this this music is good uh, if you're stoned driving or some combination of the two. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird like you say that because I was listening to this while I was driving and I actually didn't think it was very good driving music. I didn't either. That's <laughs> what I thought. I was driving to Pasadena yesterday, like past the big rock quarry and I wanted to drive my car into it. Um, but no, it's it's fine. Like I, I like Ramblin' Man. What Tyler brings up about the twin leads is like interesting because I think like that's definitely very prominent on Ramblin' Man and on Jessica too. And obviously like I'm a big fan of that you know later like in iron maiden doing it um i didn't know the history of the band is really interesting i didn't know warren haynes played with them or you know the whole thing with dickie betts stepping up after the death of Dwayne allman i can but really see a lot of dads listening to this album so it's just a plus it's, dad rock there. Yeah, it's, it's a little dad, definitely rock. dad rock it's um it's I think it's what Grady was saying or whatever. And I can see their influence. I was reading on the Wicked like some people credit them with uh, you know, giving the rise to the collegiate jam band. I'm like, who is that? Is that like fish? Yeah, I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's like really in um not a fan of fish. Not yeah, a fan I mean, of, no, I'm not 
It's just for they me, it's, just, were it's a, a jam little... band, but I would, I would credit that to Grateful Dead. Yeah, that's sure. what I would say. Like, I it's would a little fish, fish is like a Dead. direct knockoff of Grateful Dead. For sure, it's yeah. a little, it's just, it's a little one note. And actually, I would be, I'm, I'm surprised, and maybe I, I need to listen to it more. The other song I guess I liked was Southbound, but some of it's just, it's kind of generic in one note. And for me, like what definitely stuck, stuck out, way too much like piano like electric organ or whatever like i felt like a lot of the soloing and like the improvisation was coming from that and i would appreciate more guitar like the songs where the guitar stands out more like the riffin and jessica or even the little the the chorus line in the song you just played like the brown like it's got some hooks and stuff but it Mm -hmm, just start it starts to blend together and one thing i'm gonna say tyler from now on and making the playlist you gotta self-edit out the uh if it's a deluxe oh, version of yeah, the I album, didn't listen. Oh, yeah, my bad. The alternate, I, the I didn't alternate even, mixes. Yeah, I as didn't soon even as it started over that. and I recognized the song, I was like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> we're done with this. I'm not. I don't want to hear an alternate studio <laughs> wait mix." A, wait a second. They tried to get <laughs> yeah, one over like, on me. Not again. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I. My bad. At I, first, when I, I saw just told it, Grady yeah. not to listen to those ones. I asked him about it. There's I was in the I was in the car and I was just like, I got like four songs in and was listening how long some of these jams were and I'm like looking at the track length i'm like okay there's no way i'm listening how long is this shit are these all this jammy and then so, i saw that they were like out yeah so okay i just yeah. yeah i'll have to just <laughs> manually delete them i did yeah. that was the only one they had on spotify but i have this record on vinyl and um it's definitely it, it's a good length like without the extra jam yeah without shit. it it makes a lot more sense there's what one two three four five six seven songs yeah and they're kind of long sense, but they're, they're kind of like, long and jammy yeah so i won't say like you know and typically you know i'm gonna throw a bone here and i'm trying to you know to new new year new me uh not gonna say that it's terrible and i hated it but i feel like again it would have to be like a bit like if i was building like a 70s rock road trip playlist that rambling man and jessica would definitely end up on there and i'd be tapping on the steering wheel like driving through the middle of nowhere but i can't really see myself like just like putting it on because i'm like ooh, i'm feeling like i want to me and jake some some dirty blues rock we seem pretty aligned on our thoughts on like blues blues rock yeah, we I, both had which this is two why I knew, favorite, which is why I knew it and why album. I said, oh, sorry, guys, I'm going to pick another blues album that you're going to hate when I <laughs> well, put it on the playlist. Because I would say ultimately, like I've gone into I've gone in I mean, with shields up knowing what was going to happen. But this episode, it was the time, <laughs> the time to do it. Um, yeah, but, but I, yeah, think, I think I think out of I mean, the we blues, haven't gotten to the Van Halen album yet. So we'll see how you feel about that one. Well, Tyler. out of yeah. the blues records like that I've chosen, I feel like this is maybe the most accessible to you two. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it's just it just falls into that thing where it's like I, I like the hits. The other ones were just it was just a little bit too, too much of the same to where it might not be, you know, locked into the structure of like you were saying 12 bar blues but it's very much like yeah all right verse chorus piano solo guitar solo kind of thing or whatever. they're all kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. similar chord progressions i will say that you know because I, I was driving to pasadena with daisy yesterday and daisy was very into like some of the the piano work or whatever and she's like oh that seems like it was fun and i asked her i'm like do you think that you could go sit in with like a a dirty bar like dad blues rock band and play <laughs> piano like that and she's like no i think i could learn how to play this song but i don't know if i could sit in with a bunch of like old drunk dads and just jam on it and i was like well you got some work to do there. yeah you, <laughs> yeah you. <laughs> all right well, yeah but anyway yeah. i think um moral of the story for me is like i mainly chose this one because i have that specific memory of like that's great i would is, love to watch that film yeah which is um, great i'm but, sure tony would love to show it to you but also i mean it's pretty it's been 
this band's been pretty influential in like my guitar playing, especially like learning learning guitar through this route. I mean, I think, and that's the main difference between Jake, you and me, and and Grady, I guess a little bit, but more so you and me is like your background of guitar came from a lot of the records like the one that you picked on this episode and my background came from this so <clears throat> it's just like a kind of a different lane segway it's a different lane yeah. but like <laughs> dun, dun, but that's dun. why that's why you feel like this about almond brothers and why i feel like how i do about some of the bands that you grew up with right so and the only shady. difference is is that i'm right and you're wrong so anyway the right next and here we go yeah about. all right speaking of guitars <laughs> jake so the perfect segue i've been wanting to find a way to weasel this into this show for the past three seasons and now it's finally happened <laughs> under the guise of like yes tyler get, get it out you know, of your says system that now. he's listened yeah, to get, it, get it but i knew system. that it would probably be grady's first time sitting down with a full record by the mighty van halen so i picked van halen's self-titled debut record obviously a big part of my childhood passed down by my father eric rico aka mad dog Mazon. he took the comanches to state in 1984 he's the man who's been texting tyler van halen pictures for the past oh. 20 minutes um <laughs> my can you see yep. that that yeah my last response to him and what does it say that just all you read got it. i need more yeah he says <laughs> And I was just like, my dad's probably not even getting these from the internet. He probably all, has all these Van Halen photos <laughs> saved on his phone. Oh, um, he, he was so excited when but I look, was. He was even look what the I one... sent him back. Oh, Dr. Rox. Yeah, he loves <laughs> Dr. Rox. <so. laughs> um, anyway, so growing up, um, my dad fucking worships Van Halen. Every aspect of them, like mainly like David Lee Roth. Um, the front man from Van Halen. I gave him a big framed shirtless picture of David Lee Roth chained to a fence for his birthday one year, and he keeps it out in his man cave. Oh, my God. And, I will uh, have to say, it's pretty <laughs> amazing that you got your dad to text me in the middle of the episode a bunch of photos. Oh, he wanted to, and I gave him specific parameters. I'm like, you can only send pictures, no text. I don't want to call HR for whatever you're going to say to my friend about. I told him his pics, and he was just like, dude, your friend's parents' music sucks. And I was just like, Dad, I'm just like, just leave him alone. Like, if you want to send pictures, that's fine. But yes, it's... Uh, that's so funny. My dad's story with this record is he said he was 11 years old in 1978. He heard this record playing through the walls in his sister's room. Him and his sister don't speak anymore, but he knocked on the door and was just like, Wait a minute. What is that? And she was like, it's Van Halen, go away. Eddie Van and, Halen and was I'm, Dutch? Yeah, yeah. He was that. born in Amsterdam. He's a he's a Dutch Edward immigrant. Ludwig van Halen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Edward yeah. Ludwig van Beethoven. <laughs> so van this Beethoven, is one of the van yeah. Halen. <laughs> van and his mother's maiden his mother's maiden name was Van Beers, like beer, uh, which I think would have been a cooler awesome. band name. Uh, but anyway, so I heard this a lot. My dad basically sitting me down on his knee and being like, "Listen here, you little shit." You're going to like Van Halen or I'm not going to support you in any of your endeavors. Oh Anything that you listen to. All right, you little fucker. You better Van like Van Halen yeah. or else. Listen the ultimatum. <laughs> yeah, he was sitting there. You know, he was, he was already kind of drunk. He's like, listen here, you piece of shit. <laughs> David Lee Roth is the greatest fucking singer of all that. I don't even care if he can't sing. You Wait, listen so to Eddie Van you Halen listen to me. No. no. Okay, he just played guitar. Yes. Van Halen okay. played guitar and... Uh, but it's funny, David Lee Roth was such a charismatic frontman that everybody thought his name was Van Halen. Like yeah, his first yeah. Like, why didn't like, why did they name it Van Halen if because was, he recognized he just the... like it was. It's about 
It's about guitar. his guitar playing. Oh, yeah. it really yeah. is. You know, like, it really is. Um, yes, for sure. And I need to. I'm trying to be as historically correct as like, no, Eddie Van Halen did not invent finger tapping, but he definitely popularized it. Popularized it. Well, like he, dude, he he had his like, own version of it. He had his own version of doing it, and basically his his story is is you know like not a very good student, ditching out on school a lot, and just like he would play guitar in his room for like eight to thirteen hours a day. Yeah, and he actually started off on drums, and his brother, That's the right. drummer Alex Van Halen, played on guitar and then they just decided to switch and he just taught himself how to play guitar also, also alex van halen has a very uh a very recognizable drum kit i think he was yeah. like one of the first that had like the clear plastic drum like drum shells yeah totally <laughs> and their thing and so van eddie van halen styles like when they first started they're from pasadena yeah. when they first started playing when he would do his guitar solos he would turn his back to the audience because he right. didn't want people to see how he was doing right and basically he also played with first, his teeth yep and a drill and he made his own pickups and yeah, nice. uh he's just he's very innovative uh right. i mean player. he's definitely the i think he's definitely the the godfather of like the show the showboating so guitar soloing like he's yeah he, i mean he's a great example of like that era of like the rock star you know the yeah, rock star guitarist sure. that goes on stage just knows how to like put on a show with his guitar playing yeah totally because he'd jump around and their stage was very bright and they played with a bunch of amps and stuff and i would say yeah. that they started the archetype for a lot of what is associated as being the shitty music of the 80s because right, after right. Halen like got metal. big then it was yeah. like every every band on the sunset strip they had to have a singer with blonde hair and everyone else had dark Be hair yeah but that's like because music that's, and par the that's partly because that's what the fans expected kind of too you know, yeah, like they're like, why would I go see your shitty band if I can see Van Halen and they're going to put on like a 10 times better show? Yeah. Yeah. And one of yeah. the my dad finally his parents hated Van Halen uh, <clears throat> because his parents were hippies, you know, smoke <laughs> weed like Neil Young and all that stuff. My dad finally <laughs> got to go see um, Van Halen on the on their final tour with David Lee Roth, the 1984 tour when he was 17 and he could go to concerts by himself. And in addition to inheriting my music taste from my father, I also inherited my alcoholism. Uh, but oh my, uh, my dad, my dad says that when he was 17, that he went to go see Van Halen stone cold sober, which was a big deal for him because Whoa. he didn't want to forget. any <laughs> wow. of it. And then we finally got to go see Van Halen on their reunion tour in 2015, where I, got shit faced um but it was still a really good show and then my dad was actually at van halen's last show because as we all know eddie van halen passed away mm -hmm. uh at the end of last year right and uh <clears throat> but anyway we'll we'll get into we'll get into yeah, this record a, a little bit more but i'd like to play my favorite van halen song of all time ain't talking about love all right here we go <laughs>
Van fucking Halen. That's your exactly favorite right. track by them of all time. Of all time. Interesting, because that's one I of my that favorites song. by them too. Dude, it's it's the fucking best. And the riff, it's one of the, the yeah, riff, the riff is, is like so iconic. good. Dude, I like. I mean, I know that riff. I don't even know the song, but I like knew the riff before I heard the and song. And this is like one of the cliche things that I feel like a lot of people talk about with bands in the seventies or whatever. But I stand by it for him or whatever. Like before David Lee Roth starts singing or Sammy Hagar starts ringing, like. When you hear the first couple seconds of like Eddie Van Halen play guitar, like you know it's him. And like yeah. even oh, without the sure. tapping, like he's got that yeah. sound, like he made his own like phase shifter pedal mm-hmm. and his his pickups is just a very unique sound. And that song I mean, uh, people have been trying to replicate pretty much everything he did ever since. Wait, right? did yeah. they write You Really Got Me? That's a No, that's the that's the Kinks. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I was like, yeah. this the cover is definitely yeah. a cover and am, am i cra- like i was like am i crazy they did not write this song no it was a big <laughs> hit for them though um okay. but uh but yeah ain't talking about love eddie van halen said that that was his take on doing a punk song because it's like two chords and like right. he just picks the chords or I whatever. That. So, which is why it happens to be like the only van halen song that i can play on guitar yeah like, it is so, simpler solo included it is a little but simpler. uh but yeah it's just it's the attitude that mm, i remember like being gross my dad told me about that my dad thinks david lee roth is the coolest person ever but he was just like you know he's singing about his dick right his love is rotten to the core and i was just like dad you just fucking i'm like i'm like 10 i'm like dad i didn't need to know that (laughs) i don't i don't want to talk about david lee roth's dick um but yeah it was just i remember just sitting 
taking my, that out of my dad's CD collection, just walking around with my Walkman constantly listening to it. And I would say like Eddie Van Halen was my first like big guitar hero. Like I definitely heard that and I wanted I wanted to play guitar. And, and that's started, why they made the game Guitar Hero. Pretty much. They <laughs> pretty have their, much. <laughs> Van Halen has their own guitar hero. Uh, like Metallica and uh, who else? They did an Aerosmith one too, which is fucking weird. And Beatles uh, has their own rock band, but yeah, that oh, one's yeah. like you got to do drugs to just look at the visuals really cool. Like, Actually, you know, I liked that one because it came with they're fun it, songs it, to play. Well, it came with like cool looking instruments too. It came with yeah, like the a, Paul McCartney bass and stuff. Yeah, like oh, the Paul yeah. McCartney bass and it, yeah, dude, rock band was so fun back in the day, dude. dude it was. I told I I mentioned this to somebody. I can't remember who, but I was like, dude, Rock Band should have made a fucking comeback during quarantine. They could have sold like millions of those things during quarantine. Oh, Just well, get like all your household cur- back into it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it um, doesn't exist for current gen consoles, does it? I don't think like, so. Like you no. can't. Yeah. Like you can't do it anymore, which is yeah. kind of fucked, but. Um, well, those were the days but yeah. um but yeah like it was just it was the first band that i remember being blown away with and then going to take my first guitar lessons and learning that I, there was a whole lot of shit that i needed to learn how to do before i could play like van halen oh yeah and that's what my dad always held over me or whatever like when he bought me my first like yamaha strat and being like dude what the fuck like how come you didn't buy me a nice guitar and he's like learn how to play eruption all the way through and i'll buy you whatever guitar you well, want and that I, i'm 28 years old and i still can't do it i mean that's the um, irony of it though is that like a lot of what he's doing is really based on the equipment like you can't really replicate that shit unless you replicate the equipment the equipment to some level no yeah he fucked with all like i mean his guitar was called like the striped guitar that my dad's sending you picture of it's called yeah. frankenstein because it's yeah. all different parts that he yeah. custom made did all the yeah. electronics and it's like yeah that custom, dude just like custom fret work done like in order to do eat the sleep breathe stuff. music like he's yeah. got a patent for this thing that goes on the back of the guitar so he could rest it on his knee so it was easier to like do the tapping, do the tapping. And shit. yeah yeah um, yeah and here's that's the thing cool. like because what that's 1978 so obviously like that's gonna the tapping is gonna get taken to like a whole new level with like fucking you know thrash metal like kirk hammond is on the tapping and so yeah. is you know dave mustaine from dragon Megadeth. force there are people dude. who can play way faster <laughs> dragon force him. dragon yeah force. dragon force <laughs> yeah. um but he was the first one to do Herman it and Lee, if you you read any any band that started after 1978 they're going to tell you about the first time that they heard van halen yeah and i how mean that made them want to play rock and roll but i mean because obviously the guitar um, eruption game changer, like a minute and however many seconds of just pure like that song, like reminds me of like a laser show. I remember yeah. laying down, putting my headphones on and like not believing that that was one dude making yeah. all those sounds. I also, so I wonder how influenced um, Eddie was by Jimi Hendrix, because to me, they, they have a lot of parallels of oh, like yeah. both in their showmanship and like style of what they did on stage, but also just like with their guitar playing style like i mean i think of like the Jimi hendrix like national anthem and eruption as like parallel type of tracks you know and i think the thing for me is because people all because i'm not that big of a hendrix fan and i think what it comes down to is or whatever is that even though hendrix technique because i would put him obviously like i think hendrix was the predecessor to Eddie Van Halen in terms of doing something like new with guitar. Yeah. And I think it's kind of hard for me to figure out like who's done something completely new. That's never been done with guitar, like since Eddie Van Halen. But for me, the thing with Hendrix is, is that it's like, it's still like, it's rooted in the blues. 
and then it goes into like it's it's a different kind of like extreme blues playing sometimes that is just like i respect the talent but it's not what i want like we were talking about with blues rock kind of thing or whatever and i know he he branches off in different genres but i'm i'm more into the i like, you know, the, I like heavier, the rock thing but yeah for sure i think this album i like every song on this album i know grady was trying i don't know if he was giving shit or how he feels about the song ice cream man oh, as soon as you're done talking <laughs> i'm gonna give my i'm gonna give my take but yeah obviously the big trend like i'm uh on fire atomic punk like well, the whole band is good. Like the background, the background vocals, like the high pitch stuff is done by the original bass player, Michael Anthony, um, David Lee Roth, definitely not the most technical singer, but like entertaining as fuck and just had like this swagger on stage. And they just like, they fucking blew up. They toured with black Sabbath, like one of their first tours in the UK. And Ozzy talked about how much he fucking hated having to go on after Van Halen. Oh, I bet. Like, like just I blowing bet. them off the stage all the time. Yeah, uh, for sure. Music, the fun music trivia that goes in because I wanted to do a Kiss album is Gene Kiss. Simmons saw them at a club and was just like, we need to make you a fucking demo. Like, how are you guys not signed? Paid for them to do their first demo and wow. then gave it to Kiss's record label. And they were just like, nah, we don't see anything in this band. What? Uh, and then Warner Brothers signed them. And then when Kiss <laughs> did their first breakup, when Ace Fraley left, like in the 80s, Eddie Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen, Dave did not get along. Like when they were doing reunion tours, it was like purely for the money. Um, Eddie Van Halen wanted to join Kiss and Gene Simmons was like, you are way too good to be in Kiss. Like, I'm not going to let you throw, <laughs> like, I'm not going to let you throw your life away. Yeah, Kiss kind of knew they were a joke band. And you could yeah. hear in Kiss, their live album that came out, it's like Gene Simmons saw Eddie Van Halen play and then went to Ace Frehley. And during Ace Frehley's guitar solo part of the show, he starts doing a tapping thing. And it's like Gene Simmons came to Ace Frehley and was like, you need to do this. And Ace Frehley, who was fucking plastered all the time, could like barely do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those. I would say I moved away from this kind of music for like a long time because like, you know, very much in the beginning of high school, it was all about, you know, Van Halen, Motley Crue, Megadeth, Metallica, all these things. And then college, it's funny, like you were talking about your mom with the 80s music. I feel like that's when I started moving away from the music that my dad listened to. And I got more into like, my mom is more of the 80s stuff, mm -hmm. like listening to The Jam and The Cure. The moms and are into like Joy 80s, Division dude. and stuff. And I took more of that, but I could always go back to... Van Halen has six albums with David Lee Roth and they're all just so fucking good. And there are some good songs with Sammy Hagar afterwards, but they would just never, they would never match it. I mean, they're just one of the biggest bands in the world with so many fucking hits that just de define classic rock radio and California. Like they were just a fun party time band, like drank to excess, partied to excess, like just did all kinds yeah. of, weren't crazy they one of the bands that was so like known for like trashing hotels they would do, yeah, they would trash hotels and they had this thing. I feel like I'm watching a VH1 classic thing, just all the things I've learned about Van Halen. But in their writer for their shows that they would play, like hidden in the technical parts about like what they needed for like, you know, power hookups and lighting and stuff like that. They would say, in our dressing room, we want a bowl of M&Ms with yeah. all the brown M&Ms removed. Oh and if they God. got into the dressing room, and there were brown M&Ms in the bowl, then they knew that the venue hadn't read their contract all the way through. And then Van uh. Halen could say like, oh, you voided our contract so they could like fuck shit up and not be responsible for it. That's crazy. Like, yeah. yeah. 
it was oh a smart gosh. business move. Um, yeah, which is like also kind of bullshit because like I don't think that really would fly. But anyway, <laughs> all right. No. So here's here's my take on this album because I have yes, never. Brady. I mean, obviously, I've heard Van Halen songs throughout my life, but I've never actually like sat down and listened to a Van Halen album. Yeah. Um, so first off, I gotta say that I have you know a lot of respect for for Eddie Van Halen R. as a guitar player. R.I.P. You know, as yeah. a musician as a uh you know a performer um he's obviously you know a, a pioneer of that of that style and he's you know laid the groundwork for a ton of people going forward as you said so i i've you know i've mad respect for him in that sense and he is a you know a great guitar player is one of you know history's best guitar players um for what he did um what i was surprised about with this album is that it's surprisingly listenable like as an album like <laughs> what i mean Thank by that great. is it's like it's easy to listen to it's not like i don't know i thought it would be more um like of a slog to get through but it is very quick and fast paced you know you the songs kind of just fly by um so in that sense it's very easy to listen to now is this an album that i will see myself going back to and listening to often Definitely Absolutely not. not. Definitely yeah. not. 100% <laughs> no. Um, but for what it is, I mean, like, my favorite part was definitely the guitar playing. 100%. I didn't really care for the singer's voice um, and his, you know, the lyrics, his voice, his melodies, they were very whatever for me. Like, I was not here for them at all. They didn't, like, I didn't, they didn't actively, like, hinder the songs or anything. Like, I wasn't, like, particularly, you know, thrown off by them, but they were just not something I was paying attention to. Um, I was more just listening to the guitar work and then and everything around it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there there's some songs that I, you know, I did like a lot. I think Jamie's Crying was was a standout for me. I also liked um, the one that you played, um, Ain't Talking About Love. And then I also, I think On Fire was the, the last I'm one. I'm on that fire! I liked. So those ones were... Yeah, that were, was sick. Yeah, those <laughs> ones were good. I, I, I dug those. But yeah, like I said, you know, well, wait, are we going to, you said, are we going to talk about Ice Cream Man? You got something oh, to yeah. say about Ice Cream, Ice Cream Man? Man? I laughed, I audibly laughed when that song came on because I thought it was just like such a jokey song and like really funny. And Dude, that so one, when they I, play, the lyrics I actually was laughing at. Well, and I, th I think that's a cover too. It's an old blues song. But when they would come out and play that, David Lee Roth would play a huge custom guitar that looked like a popsicle. Yeah, oh he would play, my, your he dad would play, sent me a picture of it. Of the Dave-sicle, he would <laughs> yeah. play, and then the band would come out behind him and do the electric version. See, this is yeah. like a live band, though, you know? It's like... Oh, yeah. They're, like, all about the performance. Yeah, for sure. Me. And, like, that's why I don't think this guy's, the David Lee Ross uh, vocals really translate on record as well. I feel like they're just... A, he's oh, a dude, guy he who has a huge... Oh, well, he was he's a huge part of it. He's he's part he's, he's worse live. Like, yeah. he, gets so, he gets so drunk or whatever, and, like, in the middle of the song, stop singing, you go... I forgot the fucking words. Oh my god! But like, yeah, half but of it's watching all Van about the show. Yeah, it's all about the show. Yeah, watching Van Halen videos is watching just his stage banter. Like he would get a whole part of the show where he would do a dance with samurai swords. Yeah, or dude, like just oh do like god. full on it ribbon dances. So there's one. The there's one funny video where someone like throws water at him or whatever. <laughs> like there's water, but he just walks to the edge of the stage. He walks to the edge of the stage. He's like, hey pal, don't throw water at me. I'm gonna fuck your girlfriend tonight. <laughs> Jesus I mean, Christ. yeah, like they're one of those bands like, hey, if you're paying to see us, we're gonna give you a fucking show. And it's like, uh, all right, you know? <laughs> 
Dude, I remember one time they were they were playing. It used to happen all the time in California. It was called the Us Festival. And instead of demanding a certain amount of money, like it was just in their contract, we have to be the highest paid band at the <laughs> Us Festival. And then at the last minute, they added David Bowie. And that would have been around the time he put out uh, Let's Dance. And then they went back to the cut and like, oh, let's you're paying. Dance. Like, let's say Van Halen was getting like 20 million. Bowie's getting 30. And like, well, now you have to give us 31 million dollars. <laughs> Um, all right tyler do you have any final thoughts on this album Um, okay well i think it's been brought up it has to be said tyler and i one of our longest going debates is the role and the greatness of van halen whatever i think tyler actually just gave me a survey where one of the questions was like what's something that you know basically boiled down what's something about tyler that bothers you and my answer was his views and opinions of the rock band van halen um (laughs) so let's lay it all on the line here which is funny because you've built that up so much like into your own thing that i don't think you even remember like the initial conversation about it but i remember enlighten me okay so in high school you had like a bunch of eddie van halen swag right like guitar pick whatever else was in like your locker. Like, I don't know if it was like a bandana or like a beanie. I can't remember what it was, but you had like swag and I was, and so like one day I made an offhanded comment of like, oh man, that's the dumbest shit ever. Right. Or something like that. I was referring to the fact that Eddie Van Halen has been like basically blown into like a sellout, like basically like not even by his own device. Like he's been commoditized like a hundred percent. Is that, yeah. a word? is that a word? Commodified. 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 Yeah, commodified. 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 There um, we go. Yeah, Tyler, he's been making up words again. He's been commodified. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's been commodified into like basically just you know uh, like a, a a symbol, like which which is unfortunate, I think, because it's like the misfit skull a little bit. I'll yeah, give you for that. sure. Yeah. Um. So anyway, that was the that was the. Uh, that was the context of our initial argument of that. And I think that it's funny because like we've blown it into this giant thing, which is like a running Tyler joke. Hates Van Halen. Yeah. But like in terms of like Eddie Van Halen as a person, as a guitar player, like I was super influenced by him too growing up. Like I, I jammed out to the same, same track you picked, you played today. Like that was one of my favorites. And I mean, dude, he was influential for sure. Like, when you listen to him as a young guitar player, like how can you not be influenced? You know, it's just yeah, like no, it's a, mind blowing. Yeah. It's a huge thing. But, um, anyway, so I think in terms of Van Halen, the band, this is where, this is where it breaks down. All right. For here me. we go. So All right. Eddie Van Halen. Great. Like I, I think everything he brings to the table is great. Um, his brother on drums, kind of meh for me like he definitely is a good drummer but like he's not he's not like a one of those really memorable like drumming he's not a really memorable drummer with like a, a unique style like it's more like he's just there in the background um and then david lee roth like obviously like that's what remember kills my it. dad that's is what my kills dad's it. listening Dude, oh i don't my dad care has your i don't phone care. number now too you're busted i don't care that's what kills <laughs> it for me like and and it's not even the fact that i think he's like a bad singer or like whatever it's just like to me he takes away from what the guitar is doing in like certain in certain ways like it's kind of like it's 
almost like you're watching a movie and someone stands in front of the screen and you're just like, dude, get the fuck <laughs> oh, out of the way. That like, is, of course, that is kind exactly. of what I was feeling. Yeah, that's a like, good analogy. You're just like, ah, move, move, like get out of here. Like that's that's what I feel like, right? And so obviously that's probably a polarizing opinion, but I mean, that's that's it, dude. It's It's definitely him. And I think that like, again, going back to... They were all about the live show. Like, he brought the showmanship to the table. He brought, like, the fucking crazy shit they did on stage. He had the rock star lifestyle. Like, I think all that works. Like, I get it. And I get I get them as, like, a complete unit of, like, he's part of their trajectory. He's part of the Van Halen history. And, like, I'll give him that. Like, I, I 100% will give him that. But, like, I don't know. That's just, that's well, my see, thing. Like, it's like someone just... What I think you're just... tapping into is why eddie hated him so much because i think there's an argument to be made that van halen would not have been as huge and successful as they were without david lee roth like he is he's a total goofball he takes away i mean like he recognizes the virtuosity enough in the van halen oh commoditized oh. i'm just pointing out that commoditized it, is actually a word it's a synonym for commodified but okay anyway. it is commod i was like are you trying to show me commodify is not a word because we're gonna have to edit that out no, it's no, commoditized it's and commodified are both basically synonyms but thank um, you for i, I just had to point that out because you both were like i was I've like i'm definitely sure that's a fucking word but anyway I've never but I would say, as, you know and i think that's what bothered eddie van halen or whatever is like how much credit the the singer got to the point that like the club promoters thought his name was van dude they would yeah come give and, him extra money at the name like and, oh you did a real great job tonight van or whatever but like you know and and david Lee Roth so was always funny. very you know when he put his solo band together like he had to go out and look for like another virtuoso guitar right. player well and, and that, he got together with steve vi but that's where i think it is is like and this is why the like, doc this is why the doctor rock is it dr Roxo or Roxo? yeah dr Roxo. yeah from so Metal this Oculus. is why that is just fucking genius because like that's like the perfect kind of like comedy that you can pull from it like again like I don't look at Van Halen as like a shitty band or like, I don't look upon them like with any like bad, bad vibes or bad feelings at all. Like I think he's part of it. He's part of the whole history. But like, again, when I'm like watching a YouTube video, of them playing live or whatever, again, I'm like, get out of the way, dude. I just want to watch Eddie Van Halen shred. Like you're, what are you My doing? My dad wanted there? me to send you this video. That's just all of David Lee Roth's isolated, like yelps of him going like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, 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 just him and like kicking all up with no music and just go, oh, yeah, come on, yeah. Like. <laughs> and that's the Dr. Roxo thing, right? That's like the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. And like, and all of like, obviously, the Dr. Roxo thing plays into like his lifestyle too of like, he's addicted to cocaine and like, he's like a fucking mess and he's got like probably got 10 different STDs or whatever. Like, just the yeah. full, like, the full gambit of like his life. But I think the feud to, okay once and for all end the feud like i like van halen there's no Thank dislike you. there's the sound okay. i've been trying to get there it is there it is 15 years i will say you should have <laughs> picked them for the guitar episode because i like them a hell of a lot more than i like coheed <laughs> are you fucking kidding me tyler we're gonna have to go back i wanted to and you said no because you've heard it well and this is true. where we i mean i have dude i grew up I with know, this shit I, like i've I heard but it then that's I not a lie this in in number one because eddie died but all 
also knowing that it would be Grady's first time. Yeah, but no, of course I know, that I know, was I my first pick for oh, the course. Joe Pass fiasco, but you were like, no, I thought we <laughs> need to hear that one. Like, <laughs> well, hey, that's part of what's your record, right? You got to well, pick yeah. shit we haven't heard. <laughs> All right. That's the God, challenge of ball. it. All right, let's so. vote. Let's vote. Yeah, let's vote. But yeah. To settle the record, there, there we Jesus go, Jake. Christ, give me a heart attack. Dude. <laughs> you should have right. picked it for the guitar episode. <laughs> all right, I was waiting for that. I all go episode. first. I vote first since I was up first. So I yes. think both of these albums are not albums that I particularly <laughs> want to listen. Grady to had a rough week. Often. Um, <laughs> so that being said, I think out of respect for Van Halen and his uh, pioneering, you know, guitar playing, I'm gonna go with the Van Halen album. Okay, Grady. Eddie's looking down at you from heaven, going like, "You're all right, kid." Bless. Um, <laughs> for mine, I would say I'm in a similar boat with Grady. That wait, these are both. Do in... you get to go second? I thought you. Oh wait, went no, last. you're second, huh? You're right. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, definitely the Van Halen one. I, I Whoa. think. I think. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> for me, for me, like Simon and Garfunkel is, they are like a bare minimum influence to me. Like I, I don't, I don't really pull like that much influence. Whereas like, I definitely grew up with Van. They Halen taught me sure. everything that I don't want to do. in. Music. No, I, again, like I don't hate them. I don't even dislike them. Like I'll, I'll, I'll happily listen to that album. Like it's not a bad album, but like, it's just, to me, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't have the same nostalgia and the same influence on like my, my musical history or like growing up, like growing up, like Van Halen is a band that I identified with. Whereas right. like Simon and Garfunkel, like, Jake, you can yeah. no longer complain about Tyler and Van Halen for the rest Ever of again. No, thank God. Thanks. Hey, voted no. for Van Halen. All right. <laughs> did. Well, no excuses also, anymore. Liked, we also I'd, really I'd, felt bad because Jake has so few wins that we just, we really <laughs> just wanted to let again, him Again, I don't one. do it. I don't do it for the wins. I do it for the musical education of my friend. Dude, Dude, I, I don't think I've even read, won. I don't even think I've even read. won this season. After you read off the record, I was blown the fuck away. I had like literally no, no. I had it was so surprising. I had no I know, guess I that had that the, was how it was again. It's fine. I'm I'm here for you guys. Um, anyway, like I was saying, even though I've already won and this is the most satisfying win I've ever clinched on this show, I'd like this to go. We can officially retire. The, the, the original right. goal I did starting this was to get Tyler to like a Van Halen record. Oh my! But no, I would say that I probably had. I'm I'm in the same boat as Grady in terms of like having two albums that like really aren't up my alley in terms of things that i would listen to all the time and i told daisy this yesterday and i told you guys like i went into it like wanting to hate simon and garfunkel being like i can't listen to this while i drive or we're gonna fall asleep and crash um but i i actually did like it i was i was pleasantly i was pleasantly surprised and i just think it had a little more variety than i would have thought i'm like oh this is just gonna be whisper core the whole time yeah that's why i didn't pick parsley sage rosemary time because i feel like that album is basically whisper core yeah Yeah. sorry the herb album yeah, thank you. I would vote for Simon and Garfunkel. Nice. All right, we got some singles going on. Uh, the singles were good this week. Good job, yeah. everybody. Yeah. Good singles this week, guys. Yeah, uh, actually, so went, uh, I'll, we'll just go in order. Yeah, Grady, you went first. Uh, we actually put them in the order in the same that order, we yeah. did this. So my single is um, a track called Posing in Bondage by Japanese Breakfast. Um, this is, I think her name is Michelle Zoomer, Zomer, something like that. Uh, she's been, mm-hmm. this is her third album, I believe. Um, and that's forthcoming. That's forthcoming, coming out in June. And mm-hmm. this is the newest single. There's another single out that was produced by Wild Nothing. 
Um, oh. It definitely Ooh. has a very Wild Nothing 80s vibe. Wait, the so song or the like album? That. The song. I don't think the whole album is produced mm. by him, okay. just that one track. Uh, but it sounds very much like Wild Nothing if, you, or if you're into that sound. Man, Wild Nothing um, used to be so good. But yeah, so this album, uh, this song specifically is a little bit more uh, mellow. It's a little more uh, ballady, but it's very pretty. There's some cool electronic stuff going on. Um, I think that this album is probably the most pop-driven that she's ever been. Um, but she, um, I, I just I, I like the direction of the song and the previous track, so um, I'm I'm excited for for this one to come out. I think it's gonna be something in to watch June. out for in June. Yeah, I but, liked this track. It was a little different for for them, but um, I yeah, dug she's it. a she's a good musician. Um, this is very. I liked her past albums, so I, this album is going in a cool direction for her. I think this track is very like deeply sonic. I will say. I don't know. Like, yeah. it has, like, very rich, like, deep stuff going on sonically. For sure. It was vibey. <laughs> I'm not super familiar with their work, except for the Spotify singles. They do a really good cover of the song Dreams mm -hmm. by the Cranberries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is not an easy vocal undertaking because Dolores Oridian, like, has a phenomenal voice. She has an so. interesting voice. It's it's yeah. not technically super good, I would say, but um, she, I think she does, you know, well with it, and... It's almost like on this cusp of like breaking, it sounds like with, with like when she goes really high, which she sings in kind of that falsetto. But yeah. yeah, if you like this at all, Jake, I would check out Be Sweet, which is the first single. It's a lot more upbeat. Or um, check out her, her other albums. Or too. her other albums too, yeah. Um, Soft I, I Sounds. I Soft should. Sounds from Another Planet. I really yeah. like that album a lot. Um, that's her, her second one. Um, there's some good tracks on that for sure. Like Body, The Body is a Blade, really good song from her. All right, so for my single, I picked... Um, uh, a track from Spencer Krug. Uh, it's from his forthcoming record as a solo artist uh, that's actually coming out in a couple days or a few days. Next week. Uh, Next April Friday. 16th. Yeah. So, the, and this is the title track of the album. The album will be called Fading Graffiti. Uh, same name as this track. So, yeah, different for him. I mean, he's uh, he's a member of Wolf Parade, so that's probably where most people know him. He also has a project, Sunset Rubdown, and then Moonface as well was he's another He's done a lot band. of stuff. Yeah, he's kind of very uh, out, like kind of out there. Like, does a lot of different side projects, and he's, he's got also a lot in of Frog Guys, right? He I used to be in that believe band. so. Yeah, um, can't remember. I always get him and the other guy confused from wolf parade on like what they've done side side project wise the guy did handsome furs operators and something else but i think he also might have been in frog like i don't know maybe anyway know. but yeah so this track um a little different as a solo artist like definitely a little mellower and a uh -huh. little less yeah. like um harsh like a little less uh experimental sounding to me this is more like straightforward indie rock or indie pop um He's got like some like kind of lap steel style guitars in here and uh, the other single that's been released has those as well. So kind of a different little vibe. Like I like the drums in the beginning and uh, kind of has a good groove to it. But I'm excited just because I like his voice. I mean, I think he does have one of those voices. It's a little <laughs> bit polarizing, but it's I like unique, it. Though. Yeah, it's, it's unique. It's very I, recognizable. For sure. And um, I've always it's liked super. Like, 
I was, it's super funny that you picked, I had to look up to be like, is this the guy from Wolf Parade? Because I don't follow them that much or whatever. Yeah. But the fact that you picked this single when I'm picking Van Halen, like on behalf of my dad or whatever, because I remember playing Expo 86 for my dad in high school or whatever. And he fucking ripped on me to no end for that guy's voice. Because that first song, like Cloud Shadow on the, my dad would always be like, you'll never be an empty pair of boots walking away from the harbor. He, <laughs> he fucking hated Wolf Parade. I mean, does he so like just, Destroyer? Does he like yeah. Dan Behar? No. Yeah. Well, yeah. that it's I've very tried, similar. I've tried so many times to get him into Destroyer. I'm like, yeah. dude, like it's it's up to it's like just think of it like modern, you know, it's Bob Dylan-y. Like, yeah. Listen to the lyrics. Well, it's the same. Like, I don't like any of that gay indie stuff. It's <laughs> the same vein, you know. Like. Yeah. But your dad likes Kings of Leon. He better not anymore. Uh, I think I'm going to have to tell my dad what an NFT is so he can get the new album. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, anyway, so Spencer Krug, I, I'm looking forward to this record. Uh, I yeah, think this, he, this is cool. He's got some good singles for it so far, so hopefully it's a it's a jammer. But, I had no um, idea he was releasing a solo album, but um, I, I like the sound of this single a lot, so I'm going to check this whole album out. Yeah, check out. out the other single, too. It's pretty good. It's I did. very similar. Oh, I did. I liked oh, it. Okay, yeah, cool. Cool. Um, and then the last single... I picked is a siren song by this band vision video. I picked their first single like last summer when it came out. Mm. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought I'd like, heard it before. I thought I'd like heard a them before. Gothy new wave synth pop band from, uh, I think they're from Virginia. I'm just, I follow this dude on Instagram and he's just like this totally like buff fireman slash model who like moonlights as a goth musician. Oh, wow. And uh, so yeah, he like does makeup tutorials or whatever to do the eyeliner and shit like that. He's real cool. Um, their debut album also comes out on the 16th and I'm very nice. excited about because it, it just totally nails like it's the most new order and cure sounding stuff that he can recreate to a T without it being the band. Like if you took away his vocals, I'd be like, oh, this sounds like a new order B side that I've never heard of. Before. It felt very so, on brand for Jake. Yeah, yes, that's exactly I, that's how very I would Jake. Yeah, that's how I would sell this band. Um, but yeah, the new album comes out next week and um super stoked they're definitely at the top of my list to, to see when bands can tour again um yeah nice. yeah that's pretty much you guys summed it up it's just like i listened to that and being like yeah that's a jake song <laughs> yeah for <laughs> sure but i like it i like yeah. it too all yeah, right well cool voice. let's wrap this thing up um you guys know what to do check us out on spotify check us out on instagram check out the playlists which right, have we posted the playlist for this at all I always put them in the bio, okay, uh, cool. but yeah, they're public. If you search Tyler, if you look up Tyler on Spotify, you can follow them. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, love, look forward to my review of, uh, Tony Pena's untitled Western. Oh wait, no, it's not untitled. It's rambling man. Huh? <laughs> no, I don't, I, I don't remember the title, but dude, we definitely have to have a view. Dude, you should have a, a screening in your backyard. I yeah. would love to come watch that shit. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, episode will be up this week. Follow us on all the stuff and we should have a new batch of themes uh, coming at you pretty soon. Thank you for listening. Cool. And uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Van Halen. Thanks. Yes. Right, Thanks, Van Halen. Van Halen. This is R. the R. best day of my life. <laughs> I, I couldn't be happier. <laughs> all right. See ya. Until next time. Hit it.